Hey guys, welcome to the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. Uh, this is episode slash inning number eight, and uh, I'm Kurt Schilling, and he's Bill Graff. What's up, Bill? How are you, Kurt? The, the magic number is eight. We're eight days to opening day, and I can't wait. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people feel that way. Maybe not so much in New York uh, or Houston today, but uh, eight days. And the WBC is headed to its uh, its championship game here pretty quickly. Uh, USA scored two touchdowns um, last night. And and for what you, by the way, guys, we're, uh, we take this show a day before it airs. It air, it'll air later today, tonight uh, for Tuesday. So anytime something might happen on a Monday or Thursday that 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 is is has happened before the show airs on Tuesday or Friday, uh, it's not because we didn't know or we weren't paying attention. It's because it hasn't happened yet. And if it's a big enough deal, we'll be talking about it on the following show anyway. So just wanted to let you guys know that. Uh, yeah. So the USA uh, Trey Turner uh, after his uh, Grand Slam against Venezuela, which. I got to tell you, watching that picture for Venezuela, uh, karma is a bitch. Um, the guy that came in to relieve for uh, for Venezuela struck out, I think, Tucker to end the eighth inning and was doing all kinds of stupid stuff. Uh, and the game wasn't over yet. And lo and behold, Trey Turner takes him deep for a granny uh, to win the game in the, in, the, in the eighth, I think, in the bottom of the eighth. Um, but it is uh, the USA – versus who, who are they going to see they're going to say the winner of mexico and japan and, and you who do you think that's going to be well I, I saw the odds today and it's minus 500 to bet yeah. on japan right and because that 21 year old kid who throws <laughs> yeah, that's, 102 that's why the, that that 21 year old that throwing for japan is why the odds are minus 500 um get through what was it uh 17 consecutive perfect innings last year uh he's he's something he might be the best pitcher in the world not in the big leagues um and uh and i, and I did I read, read that he wants to come here i saw the commentary right right i saw that commentary around it he's 21 years old i can't even imagine what the posting fee would be for a guy like that um but uh i could see the yankees solving their pitching problems if that were to happen uh so anyway yeah japan and mexico uh i'm not sure mexico was expecting to be here but uh, listen, uh, as you know, and any everybody that loves baseball knows they the, there's a reason they play the games. So uh, yeah, I I would be uh, I wouldn't have a problem putting money on Mexico tonight uh, at minus at what is it plus five hundred? Yeah. Um, but I'm not seeing it. I, I think Japan's going to steamroll them. Um, speaking of <clears throat> the WBC, uh, let me just throw this out there, guys. Just so you know, I'm not against the WBC. I know it kind of sounds like I am in, in, in some cases. But as a player, I absolutely would cherish and relish doing this. Uh, as an owner or a manager, absolutely not. There is not a chance that I would be okay with my players going there because – and you can use the uh, – oh, and I'm talking about Jose Altuve, who was hit by a pitch. He's going to be out for probably, I would expect – a minimum great best case scenario, two months, um, probably more likely. Uh, and a lot of it depends on the, on the, the place and the, uh, the level of the fracture in his thumb. But the fact of the matter is he got hurt in the WBC and people say, well, it could have happened in spring training. It could, but it didn't. 
it didn't happen in spring training. It happened in a game that he was playing otherwise. And again, I, I, I love that what it's doing for baseball. I love the games, but as an owner, I, I don't think anybody in the Houston camp is feeling good about the fact that the USA team is in the championship game. I don't think they care. What they care about is that their spark plug, their leader, their, their one of the best players in the game is out. And that's a huge, huge blow uh, on a side note. <clears throat> And I, I, I honestly hope he's not watching this because I don't want him to think about it if he isn't. Daniel Bard, who uh, I don't know if everybody knows, but Daniel Bard went through a phase. He was drafted very highly by the Red Sox, very hard thrower, uh, future closer kind of guy. And he came down with what, and I'm dating myself, Bill. Uh, I call it Steve Sachs disease. Bill Bla or Steve Blast, too, in the 70s with the Pirates. He basically lost the ability to throw the ball. And he was, if you guys remember Rick Ankeel, uh, Chuck Knobloch had it at second base. Um, I know Mackie Sasser had the yips. Uh, as a player, terrifying things to watch because you it's, it, it's, it's nothing physical nine times out of ten. And Daniel Bard hit Altuve through two wild pitches in the inning. Uh, and I really hope that we're not seeing a regression in his case because – him coming back was such an amazingly good story. Um, what are the Astros going to do? They got uh, Dubon <clears throat> and Hensley. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to go with the kid. I think Hensley, he's got a much better bat. Right. At what projected? Right. Projected. I mean, he yeah. yeah. He's only he's been only been up for sixteen games, but in AAA last year, he he hit almost three hundred. Yeah, his slash line in AAA last year in over 100 games was 298, 420 on-base percentage, 498 slugging, which is uh, – that's over 900 OPS for a second baseman, uh, which is Altuve-like. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I can see that. As long as the offense can can make it up around him, um, yeah, I, I, that uh, that's going to be kind of an interesting thing. I just hope uh, Altuve gets back quicker, uh, but that's a, that's a bad one. Um, I got to tell you, man, if I'm Steve Cohen, uh, I'm hoping that my guys have done the right thing with insurance because my players are going down like flies. Brandon Nemo was the latest guy to get hurt, uh, sliding into second base. He took, I think it was to break up a double play. It was. He has a low-grade sprang knee and ankle. And listen, I, 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 I'm not a doctor. I didn't uh, sleep in a Holiday Inn last night. But but I do have some insight into sports injuries. And the one thing I wanted to mention, anytime you hear the word sprain, it, 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 it sounds very easy. Sprain, oh gosh, he just has a sprain. But, but to make it clear, for the most part, a sprain involves damage to a ligament or a tendon or something like that. There's tear. There is a tear. A sprain is a tear. And uh, um, he has a low-grade sprained knee and ankle which means he had damage in both places, uh, obviously not hopefully significant. Uh, listed week to week, which uh, isn't everybody week to week. Um, but that is now Diaz, Quintana, and Nemo with uh, reliever Sam uh, Coonrod, who suffered a lat strain last week. And that sound, those are those are usually three, four, four-month things at a minimum. Uh, the Mets are going to be tested early on from a depth perspective. And that's, uh, well, if you got $350 million payroll, you better have some depth anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I gotta tell you, I, and, and, you know, I, you, you've heard me talk about it. Freddie Freeman went home, 
from the WBC, but he's playing again already. Um, you know, is the WBC worth it? And and I, I think that's all, isn't that, and I'll ask you, Bill, I, I get, is the WBC worth it is all about perspective. What, as an owner, no. As uh, a guy in the Major League Baseball front office, absolutely. As a player, <clears throat> sure. Um, I, I guess as a fan, Bill, is it worth it? Well, I, I think if you're a Met fan, no, it's not. All right, so I hold think on. If What's you're your an favorite Astros, team? Bill, Bill who, who do you root for? What's your favorite uh, team? I'm a Met fan. I okay. my first my first game, Kurt, was 1969, and I, my dad wanted me to see Willie Mays play center field. Okay, so so you're perfect then. It, it has this WBC been worth it to you as a baseball slash Met fan? Yes. Okay, and, and that's and, uh, and, and and that's the perspective. I don't have that perspective, right? I could never I can never look at it uh, uh, objectively. I'm always taking the perspective and point of view as a coach, a player, or, or someone in front office. And to me, I don't, I, there's just, I don't see any. And again, I, I love growing the game. I, I, I don't know um, from a revenue perspective, how much money is being generated. I know it's not probably uh, at home as much as it might be abroad. Um, I don't know how it, is it really spreading the word of the game, the gospel of the game? I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that people watching the WBC for the most part are hardcore baseball fans anyway, because all the teams in it for the most part that their countries have a significantly uh, most of them, not all of them, obviously Czech Republic and whatnot, but the Dominican and uh, a lot of the, 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 uh, uh, those, the, the Caribbean islands, baseball's life there. True. This true. And, and, but I also understand, <clears throat> excuse me, you saw the Dominican uh, when they played. When they played, when uh, Venezuela beat them, um, it's a big deal. And, and you heard. I mean, wh I think who was it? Was it Trey Turner that said it was that Grand Slam was the biggest hit of his life? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, I'm clearly in the minority from that perspective uh, as a player, and I'm, I'm sure as a player I would have loved to play in it, but I just. As well, team, and I, I I do think you hear all of the players saying how much they like playing in it yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Whether yeah. it's because of their love of the country and representing yeah. the country, but Adam Wainwright was asked after the game, what do you like about this? He goes, I love these guys. I love yeah. being around oh, this team. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and listen, I, there's no bigger Patriot than me. I am. Uh, I mean, I've been in love with my country since the day I was born and all the things that my country stands for. And I'm sure putting that USA on would be, would be, uh, life-changing and you know I, I never played in the Olympics I always wanted to I never I just missed it and uh, you know I went to Japan to represent the USA very I, I understand the pride thing um, I just hate to see the product the end product which is baseball in the World Series uh, get wrecked and I over. and I totally get that and yeah. as a fan I understand people who don't like it and it but I don't see it going away because of the marketing value and you're probably right. Hardcore baseball fans are watching this. Yeah. But it's also things on social media, like, Oh yeah. No, it's yep. Mike Trout and Ken Griffey jr. In a batting cage together, comparing yeah. swings. Yeah. No, no, there's definitely moments you'll never get anywhere else. And, and I'm not sure. And that's not a bad thing. Um, 
but a team that hasn't been touched by the WBC uh, that everybody I think is kind of eager to see how they come out of the gate is uh, the San Diego Padres. Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, is back in camp. He will be playing his first game. What is it? The 20th of April. He's eligible. He's eligible April 20th. Yep. April 20th. Uh, and when he does, uh, you're going to, you're going to have Tatis leading off Soto hitting second Machado hitting third Bogarts on cleanup and Jake Cronworth hitting fifth. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the NL West. Holy crap. The, Do- the those, I got to tell you, man, the Dodger Padre matchups are going to be fun. I think that I think the Dodger Padre matchups, the Mets, Dodgers, Mets, Padres matchup. I, the Bra- There's going to be some some really really good series this year. And then you've got what is it, Dar- uh, Darvish, opening day, uh, Musgrave, Snell, Waka, Seth Lugo, and Josh Hader closing. <laughs> um, that might be San Diego's edge. I, I I like the Dodger lineup probably as much as any lineup in the game, but. Uh, Dodgers are yeah. their their staff is also strong, but it's not nearly as deep. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean the 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 Lugo hater at the back end thing is kind of terrifying. Uh, right. I know Hater didn't have uh, a lot of success. He wasn't himself when he got traded last year, but I'm fully expecting him to to slide back into who he was and who he is. And uh well, Hater, Hater and Soto to me are now full year in Padres Unis. Yeah. I, I think that's got to help. And and they're living in San Diego. I mean, seriously, how 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 stress free could could it be? That's one of the great. It's seventy two degrees every day in San Diego, and uh, yeah, now that's going to be interesting because I and I like to see that market get energized too because the 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 San Diego market is is uh, I think opportunistic. It has been in the past. I'd like to see it grow and become something more consistent. Although I don't know how. Motivated, you can make people living in San Diego be uh, given at 72 every day. Um, so let's talk about uh, pitching a little bit. Uh, Drew Rasmussen of the Rays uh, has developed, and and I always, um, I'm always hesitant to, 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 to translate this kind of stuff. Apparently, Drew Rasmussen, he was 11 and 7 last year. Two, he, I mean, he was a stud. Um, he's developed what, I, I'm going to use air quotes, a second slider. Uh, apparently, and, and I'll, I'll read it. He uh, he had a sweeping slider last year. It remains harder to control because of that of the laws of movement. He's added something called the gyro slider, which he says uh, could be called the cutter too. So um, he's talking about uh, having depth on the pitch and, and, and things like that. So, so let me, let me, uh, let me use this baseball that I'm holding here to explain something. Okay. There are a couple things. So, so you have to think on the, on the vertical and the horizontal. So a cutter, Mariano Rivera, the greatest cutter ever, a cutter moves on a horizontal plane. It doesn't move up and down. So uh, if you can imagine uh, as a left-handed hitter and I'm a right-handed pitcher, when I throw a cutter, the ball is moving away from the barrel, of the bat always towards his hands. That's what made Mariano. That's why, that's why, when teams got smart, they sent up right-handed pinch hitters against Rivera instead of left-handed pinch hitters. Because when you think about it, the cutter is going to the barrel of a right-handed bat, but he kept it inside and through a lot of front doors. But uh, it's moving on a horizontal plane. And, it and you know, some cutters will move like that, which is all you need. 
the great cutters will move like that, which is devastating. You'll see guys actually swing at a cutter and almost get hit by the pitch because of the movement. That's a cutter. A cutter moves moves from, from 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock on the clock. A slider is anything with depth, and by depth, it, it means it moves along. Uh, it'll move along the, the horizontal plane, but it has vertical movement to it as well. Um, when I think of great sliders, and I go back to the 70s and 80s, and uh, Dave Steeb uh, of the Blue Jays, John Schmoltz of the Braves in the 90s, uh, devastating sliders. And the reason it's – I could never throw one. I never had a – I had a marginal one at best. But it's a power pitch, too, and it's very, very hard to throw because to make a ball break, uh, like a curveball, you your hand has to come – you have to throw the ball. I, I held my curveball like this. So you can imagine, I didn't let go of it like this, right? What I have to do is at the end of the delivery, your hand has to turn, and you have to turn the ball out, right? And so you have to – what you create is a four-seam spin – it creates a pocket of air around the ball that allows the ball to descend, right? A slider is kind of the same thing in the sense that you hold it like this, but you have to stay behind the ball and power it, literally spin it. So it, it's got a, a, a rotation that makes it go this way. It's really hard. It's hard on your arm. It's hard to do. Um, and it's something I never, ever got control of. But <clears throat> slider goes here, here, or here, here for a lefty, and a cutter just moves along this plane. Now, here's my problem, all right? It, it, and I always say this, math is, is our, pitching is math. And the philosophy I've always used as a starter is if I, you know, Bill, as a, as a pitcher, I can't hit, I, like a hitter can hit in the cage every day, multiple times a day if he wants. As a pitcher, I can only throw aggressively, you know, once or twice a week. So my bullpen is my my batting cage, and I have limited time there. If I have a 20-minute bullpen, and again, it's just simple math. If I throw during the season, if I throw 1,000 pitches in the bullpen, and I throw 333 fastballs, 333 sliders, and 333 split-fingered fastballs, as opposed to throwing 200 of one, 200 of another, 200 of another, it's it's math. When you're in a 60 pitch bullpen or a 70 pitch bullpen, if you generally most guys will throw 30, 40, 50 fastballs. If the other 25 pitches are broken down between four different pitches, none of them are becoming consistently better. But if I so so again, let me just say so if I have 100 pitches, I'm going to throw 60 fastballs. If I throw 20 sliders and 20 splits, or if I throw 10 sliders. 10 cutters, 10 splits, 10 curveballs, those pitches are going to get marginally better. Whereas, so, so it's very rarely, and I'll tell you this, in my career, I made over 400 starts. I would tell you that I went out with four pitches maybe less than 10 times where I had all four pitches working, less than 10 times. Uh, I went out with three pitches probably 200 times, and I went out with two pitches probably another 200 times. And I went out with one pitch probably 30, 20 or 30 times. The key is to be, and, and, and Jim Palmer said this a long time ago, it's not, I, I don't want to, I, I would love to start the game with my curveball being great. But what I do need to do is be in the game when my curveball does become great. And that you get that through fastball command. But the bottom line is for me, more pitches in no way, shape or form is remotely better because very few guys uh, short of a guy like a Maddox or somebody has the control and command to command five pitches, much less three. 
right? You, you, you hear guys say, well, he needs a third pitch to be a starter. Generally true. Uh, it's hard to go through lineups with just two pitches, although you can do it if you have fastball command. That third pitch generally becomes the, the thing that moves you from the back end of a bullpen or the middle of a bullpen into a starting rotation. But the bigger thing for me, like I said, is I want a guy that commands very, very well three pitches as opposed to a guy who has four. It's just, again, simple math. The more I can practice something, the better I can get at it. I can't practice four, five, six pitches over and over. I can't do it. There's not enough throws. However, the exception, and there's always exceptions to the rule. If you watch Asian pitchers, Japanese pitchers, pitchers from Korea, guys that throw a ton. I remember Dice K had like seven pitches. And Tech used to joke about needing both hands to give signs. Um, but it, you'll never see them. <clears throat> I, I'll, I'll go. I'll, let me go back in time, Bill. Er, remember Eric Gagne? Yeah. Okay. When Eric Gagne was healthy and apparently doing PEDs, he had five wipeout pitches. Every one of them was a dominating strikeout pitch. Now, he only threw for one inning at a time. Um, the only starter that I've ever seen that had multiple wipeout pitches, more than two, was Pedro Martinez when he was on his run. His fastball, his changeup, and his breaking ball, all three of them were wipeout pitches that he had exceptional command of. But he has a plaque in Cooperstown, and that's why he, it makes him the rare breed. Um, you know, if you think about it, you think about Burt Blylevin, fastball curveball. You think about Steve Carlton, fastball slider. You think about Tom Seaver. You know, you don't ever think of, uh, you know, fastball curveball slider change split for a guy because it just doesn't happen and doesn't work that way. Um, so, again, I, I he's got a new pitch. It's a cutter, basically. It just moves side to side. I, they can call whatever whatever you want. Um and uh, I don't know that that's necessarily a great thing because, again, you're going to make 35 starts in a year. You, you'll go out five times or less, unless it's a year-year, uh, year, with all your stuff. Five times or less, at the most five times. You'll go out there five times with nothing where you have to survive, and you'll go out 20 to 25 times with a mix of something. And you've got to be good enough to be in the game when the other stuff shows up, so... That's uh, that's kind is of. There, is there any pitcher today, Kurt, who you think has three dominant pitchers? Yes, uh, I think Scherzer does. Uh, I think Verlander does. I think Otani does. Uh, Degrom does. Um, but 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 again, rarely will you see any of those guys with all three on the same night. It's it's just hard. It's, it, if they do, if they do it consistently, they win the Cy Young that year. It's just, it's, it's just, it's next to impossible and because of mainly because of the, the different ways. Like, so again, this is my four seam fastball, right? This is my curveball, right? And this is my split. There are three insanely different grips and the curveball and fastball couldn't be different, more different than they are. I've got to release my curveball and like this. And I've got to release my fastball like this. Two completely different hand motions and deliveries that are happening in literally thousands of a second. And so the margin for error, while it may seem small, it's not. It's just very tight. There's a tight window. And, and so when you're talking about 
throwing this one and this one and this one and this one. They're all pitches, even the fastball, it's our feel. If I I I, I could never throw a changeup, but there were days where it felt great in my hand. And I felt like I could, but I never used it in a game. Same thing with my split. Some days my split would feel, oh my gosh, that feels perfect. And there are other days that this thing felt like a grapefruit. Um, and, and then you have those days. It's just different days. And contrary to popular belief, all baseballs aren't the same size. And you know when you put a good ball in your hand as a pitcher, some seams are higher, some seams are lower. I might throw a breaking ball because I got a ball with high seams as opposed to maybe the fastball I was thinking about because I know with this ball I can, I can actually get something done. Um, so yeah, so, so that's the thing when you hear guys adding pitches and subtracting pitches, if they're adding a fifth pitch, then that's not necessarily anything you're ever going to notice or nobody will actually care. You probably won't ever see it. So ready for some questions from the fans. I am ready. All right. First one up is summon substance who, by the way, is one of the, one of the guys who submits a couple questions and we really appreciate it. But he asks, who's the best athlete you saw on a baseball field? Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland was – now think about this. If you know sports, Scott Rowland was Mr. Basketball in Indiana as a high schooler. He was on his way to Kentucky to play basketball. Um, and he was uh, – I, I, another guy was uh, Junior Spivey. Um and then the pitcher, left-handed pitcher, Brian Anderson, phenomenal athletes. I'll tell you, Scott Rowland was the best athlete I ever played with. I will tell you somebody who was probably one of the top five athletes I ever played with who no one would ever guess from the 80s, Bill. Okay. Left-handed pitcher. Had a, he, he had a, he, there was a mania named after him. Not Carlton. Fernando. Oh, one of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life in batting practice at the old vet. He would routinely hit the ball in the upper deck, scratch golfer, unbelievable fielder, just a phenomenal athlete. David Wells was a good athlete too. Really good athlete. But you can, you can imagine John Crux, same thing. You can imagine in baseball, you couldn't be a bad athlete and play <laughs> really honestly, except maybe on the mound. I'll, I'll admit that some of the worst athletes I ever saw were, were pitchers, but, uh, yeah, Scott Rowland was the best best athlete I ever saw. That's tremendous. All right, so Mike Johnson asks, how will the new scheduling with everyone playing everyone at least once affect scouting and game preparation? Um, I don't think it'll have any effect on game preparation. Um, although as a pitcher, if I'm not going to see a team in my division six times i there were times in the years when i started against the same team four or five six times excuse me that's not going to happen anymore that that will change i think the back half of the schedule more than anything when you're playing you're not playing a team for a second or third time i think it's going to have i think it's going to uh i don't like it in the sense that i think it's going to de-emphasize division play and i i like division play because i think that's where a lot of the, the rivalries come. I think what it, it, there's going to, it's going to create some parody because you're not going to have teams in a weak division and able to beat up on their divisional opponents, like the, you know, the AL central or the NL central. Um, you're only going to get the reds on your schedule as opposed to five or six times to twice. So I think that'll have a dramatic impact, significant impact on the, especially if you're somebody betting over unders this year, 
that's something to take uh, into consideration in a very, very big way. Interesting. Uh, last question I have for you is how good were you in high school? Outstanding question. I did not make varsity baseball until I was a senior in high school. I got cut my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. Um, and so in very, you know, I, I certainly don't want to use the Michael Jordan comparison since I'm white, slow, and can't jump. Um, but I didn't play varsity baseball until I was a senior in high school. And, uh, I, um, the quick story I went after my junior year in high school, um, I went to, uh, I lied about my age and went to a, a an open tryout for the Cincinnati Reds. And, uh, I, I'll never forget it. I I went out there and threw, and I was throwing uh, eighty eight to ninety. And th they offered to sign me after the the camp was over that day. And I had to. I, I thought I was going to get in trouble. I had to tell them that I had lied about my age and that I couldn't sign. And and then there was a an article in the newspaper the next day. And and my that was literally the first day of my career. Honestly, uh, my dad told me when I was thirteen I was going to do this for a living. I didn't believe him. I thought that's what all dad said. Uh, but he saw something and I had some unbelievable men in my life uh, at a young age from coaches in little league uh, to minor league coaches to, to in the big leagues. I was, I, I was blessed to be with some, some of the greatest coaches and men that I've ever known. And I was raised by a, a guy, a, a man who, uh, who I will admire to my grave. So didn't play to my senior in high school. So uh, if you're out there and you're a junior, and you're good and you know you're good, figure it out. You'll get there. I think that is a great place to end for the day, Kurt. Great story. Thank when, you. When we come back, the WBC will be over and we'll be yes. hours away from opening day. So, yep. And hey, uh, by the way, outkick.com for you guys who want to follow number one, number two. I think we're going to have former teammate Dave Hollins on the show Thursday. So that that's going to be fun or Friday. I'm sorry, Friday. And, uh, He's a he's a fascinating guy, and and for what it's worth, uh, Bill, his son Bo, uh, hit two home runs on Sunday. He's leading the nation with nine home runs in eight games. <laughs> uh, we talked about athletes. Bo's yeah. an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Kurt, have a good one. You too, brother. <laughs>